what it means to be uh, a pastor and uh, what all that entails. And I'm just thankful for that opportunity. That uh, honestly, when I left KMBC, the the Bible college I went to, I was kind of praying for a mentor that could lead me um, into the path of what it means to be a pastor. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for that opportunity. Uh, I'm also thankful for. Um, this message that the Lord's laid on my heart, it's convicted me. I've had to pray through it and ask for forgiveness. Um, this is a really good one. So I know God's going to uh, stir hearts here today. And um, So let's just get right into it. Uh, Revelation 3 is where we're going to be if you want to turn in your Bibles with me. Revelation 3 and verses 15 through 22. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As I as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this, this uh, message that you've laid on my heart, Lord. Um, Lord, we'll be diving into what it means to be a lukewarm Christian what all that entails, Lord. I just pray that you will speak through me, Lord. Anoint my words. Use your Holy Spirit, God, to work through me. And Lord, I pray that you will uh, reach the hearts of the people here today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, as I was coming up with this message, um, I I was thinking, does this church really need to hear um, a message about being lukewarm? I know... There's been a lot of growth here and a lot of uh, people who have been growing and in, 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 uh, reaching the Lord, but um, I know the Lord spoke to me specifically about this uh, issue in my heart, and, uh, and it's easy to get into the routine of being a lukewarm Christian. Um, so because it is so easy to fall into that, and it is so easy to, to get to that point, I wanted to, to preach about it here today. Um, and it spoke to me and uh, convicted me. So today, we're talking about, uh, as you know, the lukewarm Christian. Francis Chan was quoted on saying that a lukewarm Christian, that, that, those words together, uh, is an oxymoron. They don't really fit well together. And uh, to point that out, the very de- definition of lukewarm, you know, besides the fact, actual temperature definition, um, the definition is lacking conviction. And so if the definition of lukewarm is lacking conviction, 
then it does not mix with Christian because Christians, to become a Christian, to be in that conversion experience, you have to be convicted of sin. So this, this lukewarm Christian doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron. So it made sense to me when Francis Chan said that, that it's an oxymoron, that you can't be a lukewarm Christian. It really does not uh, exist as a Christian. If you're lukewarm... Um, then you're just a believer of God who does nothing, so, and it has no effect on your life. So, uh, I'm going to call it the sin of being a lukewarm Christian. And the reason why I say that is in verse 19 it says to be zealous and repent. And we repent from sin. So, uh, to be lukewarm is to be a sinner in need of Jesus. So, Today I'm going to give you the FBI-approved profile of a lukewarm Christian. So there's 12 signs uh, of a lukewarm Christian. Uh, so bear with me, there's a, a lot of them. <laughs> so the first sign uh, is lukewarm people attend church fairly regularly, is what is expected of them, what they believe good Christians do, and so they go. So these might be people who... Sing, sing songs, they sing along, and they have a good time, uh, but they go home, and they have no real change in their hearts. Nothing ever happens whenever they go to church. Nothing affects them. They just come to church, they sing the songs, they have a good time even, but nothing really happens in their heart. So, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says this, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up of only rules taught by men. So people come to church every Sunday and they miss out on what they could truly be experiencing. They come here and they sing the songs and they worship God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. And that's really convicting. I know for me personally. I can. It's easy to come here, and this is why I'm doing this, this message. It's easy to just fall into a routine and, and, and not let God work in your heart. It's easy to do that. So, The second sign of a lukewarm Christian, or the profile, the lukewarm person gives money to charity and to the church as long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living. If they have a little extra, it's easy and safe to give, and they do so. They do give to the church. After all, God loves a cheerful giver, right? But it doesn't make a sacrifice. It's not a sacrificed offering for Him. It's not that going the extra step and being like, God, this is for you, and it's, I have faith in you. I have that, that trust in you. Um, a good example of this is First Chronicles 21-24. David, King David replied to Aurora. No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take the Lord for the Lord what is yours, or a sacrifice, a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So, to look at that verse, you see that it would mean nothing to God if you just give your overflow. It doesn't mean that um, your, your offering to God should be um, sacrificial. I mean, you have your tithe. And you, and you have your offering, but if it's just out of your surplus 
and not really a sacrifice, sacrificial gift to God, then, then it, it means nothing. And God is calling us to a sacrificial giving. Uh, Luke 21, 1-4 As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw, saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell the truth, he said, this poor widow has put more in more than all the other. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. And so that's the kind of faith we need to have when we give. We need to have the faith that God will take care of us though we give all we have and all that we live on. So my question is, how many of us would dare to, to give up a sacrificial offering to the church how many of us would be have been told by the Lord what to give to his offering and have just brushed it off and said that, you know, Lord knows I need this money. When the Lord has spoken to you, and I'm not saying that you just give all that you have all the time or you'll be broke and then you'll be homeless. What I'm saying is when the Lord tells you to give and he, and he will impress upon, upon your heart what you need to give, then you need to do it. The third sign... Lukewarm people tend to choose what is popular over what is right in their, when they are in conflict. They desire to fit in both at church and outside of church. They care more about what people think of their actions, like attending church and giving, than what God thinks of their hearts and lives. If you desire just to fit in, you're doing it all wrong. Uh, you will be persecuted for your faith. Uh, people will hate you for what you do. I know... Uh, I have this calling to ministry people will hate me it's just going to be the way it is uh, people will hate you for what you do uh, some people just don't want the don't want to hear the gospel they don't want they reject it they've hardened their hearts towards God and they they won't accept it they won't accept God so people will hate you and if your desire is to be like the world then no one will ever oppose you but uh, here's what Luke 6.26 has to say to that. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. And so if you're not living a powerful life of God and you're just uh, conformed to the world, then no one will ever reject you and you'll feel pretty good about yourself. You'll feel like, oh, I believe in God and no one's ever rejected me for it, but have you been telling people that you believe in God? Have you been actively living a faith-driven life and if if people are not rejecting you then uh, you're honestly not doing it right because the Bible says that that you will you will be persecuted for what for your faith and for your belief in God Revelation 3 1 says I know your deeds and they have a reputation of being alive but you are dead so that's kind of a foretelling a, a warning that God knows our deeds. God knows what we do. And if we're not living that faith-driven life, then He knows our deeds. He knows um, what we do. The fourth sign of a lukewarm Christian, lukewarm people say they love Jesus, and He is indeed a part of their lives, but only a part. They give Him a section of their time, their money, and their thoughts, but He isn't allowed to control their lives. He doesn't he doesn't have control because um, the very core of being lukewarm is it's all about me. It's all about 
who I am and not what God can do for me, not God's will. It's, it's who, what can I do to still be in control and God just be out there. Luke nine fifty seven through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, Let the, buried, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back as it fit for the service in the kingdom of God is fit for the service for the kingdom of God. And so everybody you see in here in, this, in these verses has priority over themselves than God. I mean, and the, these have what we would say justifiable, justifiable means. Uh, someone's father died, they want to go bury him. But the point that Jesus was trying to make in this is that your priority needs to be me. It needs to be Jesus and God and God working through you, but you need to follow him and he needs to be your priority. So it's not, it's not that you know, we don't have good reasons, you know, but they always had that but statement. And, and that's when their self takes place of God instead of God taking over and having control. The fifth sign. Um, lukewarm people love God, but they do not love them with all their heart, soul, and strength. Um, they would be quick to assure you that they try to love God that much, but that sort of devotion isn't really possible for the average person. It's only for pastors, missionaries, and radicals, um, which is kind of sad because the Bible says in Matthew 22, 37 through 38, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so that's to all of us. And we can all have that power to, to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength because he tells us we can. It's right here. You can't just say that, oh, I can't do it. You know, that's just for, you know, pastors. They're really holy. Um, that's for the missionaries. They, they serve God. They, they can do it. But, you know, I can't. I've got things to do. You know, it's not, it's not that kind of way. It's God empowers us to do that. And it's our devotion to him that brings us to this point where we can love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength in our mind. The sixth sign of a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm people think about earth much more often than eternity in heaven. Daily life is mostly focused on today's to-do list, this week's schedule, and next month's vacation. Regarding this, C.S. Lewis writes, If you read history, you will find out that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. And that's really sad. Um, and this is one of the points that really convicted me personally. I was thinking of what's next in my earthly life. What's next here? And not, Lord, what do you have next for me? Or, Lord, what, what is the future for me? It was me taking over and saying, what, what can I do next? Instead of, God, what do you have planned for me? And so we need to, to take heed of that. 
Philippians or yeah, Philippians three, eighteen through twenty. For as often as I told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our mind needs to be heavenly, heavenward focused. So we need to have a mind set on heaven so that we can be effective on this earth. And Colossians 3, 2 also says, Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. So again, more in reinforcement that we need to have our mind set on heaven above. The seventh sign of a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm people do whatever is necessary to keep themselves from feeling too guilty. They do the bare minimum to be good enough without requiring too much of them. They ask questions like this, How far can I go before it's considered a sin? Instead of, how can I keep myself as pure as temple for the Holy Spirit? They ask, how much do I have to give? Do I have to give? Instead of asking, how much can I give? Again, going back to the to giving. They ask, how much time should I spend praying and reading my Bible instead of, I wish I didn't have to go to work so I could sit here and read longer. So it's more about your devotion to God and not your devotion to yourself and your desires. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When man found it, he hid it again, and in, the, in his joy he went and sold and all he had and bought it that field. That is Matthew 13, 44-45. It should be a joy to serve the Lord. It should be your desire to want to, to get up and, and praise God for all his blessings. If you get up and you have that breath in your, in your, in your lungs, it's a blessing to be alive and it should be a joy to serve him but sadly far too often it's easy to fall into um, fall into the path where we're just like man I, I gotta read my bible it's so easy to fall into that so be watchful the eighth sign uh, lukewarm people don't want to be free from sin they want to be free from the penalty of sin Instead of the gospel changing their lives, the gospel will merely be a means to cover their wickedness. And um, this one really hit my heart. Uh, just to be free from the penalty of sin, is, if that's all the gospel is to you, um, it's a sad experience. Again, it, the joy in serving the Lord is just being in His presence. And, and following Him, there's so much joy in that. But far too many people use the gospel to merely cover their wickedness. The ninth sign of a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm people are thankful for their luxuries and comforts and rarely consider trying to give as much as possible to the poor. They are quick to point out Jesus never said money is the root of all evil, but only that the love of money is. Untold numbers of lukewarm people feel called to minister to the rich, and very few are called to minister to the poor. Called. Matthew twenty-five, thirty-four, and verse thirty or in verse forty. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance and in the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I tell you the truth: whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, you of mine you did for me and so that speaks 
to it speaks to us giving to the poor, and it's literal. There are a ton of poor people, especially here in Winchester. Um, how many times have we reached out and and did something for them, and and really reached them out in the community? Um, one little sub story here. Um, I think it was God driven because uh, me and my family were on our way back from uh, Albany, Kentucky. We were uh, uh, there for my uncle Dave Dorn. He was preaching, and uh, we came back. We were visiting family. We we're on our way back, and we stopped at a uh, White Castle. And uh, I, lo- I just love White Castle. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's really good. Um, but for some reason, when we got our White Castle, none of us could finish our food. And we're like, man, that's weird. We always eat, and we we're always, you know, I always devoured my food, you know. But uh, for some reason, we weren't be able to to finish our food, and we stopped at a gas station because uh, Dad needed to get gas. And uh, lo and behold, two two people came up to us, and they were like, "Do you all have any food? Can you get us some food?" And I think it was God driven that we were too full to eat all of our food, and instead of just throwing it out, God brought these two people to us who needed to eat. And needed, they were hungry, and uh, and we gave them their food because they didn't ask for money. All they asked for was food, and so we gave them the food, and they they went their way. And that's just an example of what it could be to give to the poor. Um, and I do believe that was more of an indirect sense of giving to the poor. But we need to be active in going out and giving to the poor. Um, so. That's what we need to do. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wandering with shelter? When you see the naked, clothe him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. We need to remember that these people that walk around, they may be drug heads, they may be people who deserve to be there, but we're, we're called to minister to them. We are called to reach out to them. We need to remember that they're human like us. They may have made mistakes that brought them to a point to where there's no return, but we are there to minister to them. We, that's what the church is for. That's what we're supposed to be here for. We need to remember those people. The tenth sign. Lukewarm people are continually concerned with playing it safe. They are slaves to the God of control. This focus on safe, on safe living keeps them from sacrificing and risking for God. 1 Timothy 6, 17-18 Command those who are rich in this present age to not be haughty, nor, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to, to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share storing up for themselves good foundation for the time to come, that they, may be, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Again, this is ministering to the poor, um, but, the, uh, but with the lukewarm Christian, they are in control. The, the, we, me, I'm in control instead of God. And so I will not focus on the, the man next to me because I'm in control and I don't want to give up what God has so... Uh, richly blessed me with and I won't share it with my, with my neighbor 
Do not be afraid to those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. And so we need to be weary of what we have and what we can give uh, because there is one who can destroy the body and the soul and send it to hell. So we need to be outwardly focused and not so focused on ourselves. Um, We need to be heavenwardly minded um, just as in the First Timothy scripture that we read, um, storing up for themselves a foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on to eternal life. We have that, that outlook because we give now and we have our heavenly focused mind. The eleventh sign of a lukewarm Christian, lukewarm people feel secure because they attend church, made a profession of faith at age 12 and were baptized, come from a Christian family, vote conservative, or live in America. Just as the prophets in the Old Testament were warned Israel, warned Israel that they were not just safe because they were the land of Israel, so we are not safe just because we are labeled Christian or because some people persist in calling us a Christian nation. We can't have faith in something that is not solid. Um, people call us a Christian nation, but there's uh, so many who are lost. There are so many who do who do not know Jesus. Um, so calling us a Christian name, a Christian nation would be false, and it would be false hope to believe that just because you're in America, you're going to be saved. Uh, we do have rich freedom here, but um, without your uh, life devoted to God, uh, it will not save you. Um, Matthew 7:21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, that just goes back to um, our past our past faith does not save us from future condemnation. Uh, if you have professed faith in God, but you lost that along the way, um, it will not save you. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation. And that was Amos 6.1. If we're complacent just because we live in America and we have such freedom to serve God, um, it is woe to us because we are not active in reaching the people around us. Again, your background will not save you. What, you have, done, what have you done since you were saved and have you served the, served the Lord or yourself? The twelfth sign and the most convicting sign. Lukewarm people do not live by faith. Their lives are structured so they never have to. They don't have to trust trust God if something unexpected happens. Uh, they have their savings account. They don't need God to help them. They have their retirement plan in place. They don't genuinely seek out what God, what life God would have them to live They have life figured out and mapped out, and they have it all planned. They don't depend on God on a daily basis. Their refrigerators are full, and for the most part, they're in good health. The truth is, their lives wouldn't look much different if they suddenly stopped believing in God. And just let me repeat that. The truth is, their lives wouldn't look much different if they suddenly stopped believing in God. The question is, would that be you? If you suddenly stopped believing in God, would your life look much different than it is now? 
Let's take a look back at the main scripture here. In verses verse 17, Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They have, it's not that lukewarm people are lazy. They have the riches, they've worked for it. Um, they just don't have faith in God because their lives are completely structured to tune God out. And they have made their own faith in themselves. Luke twelve sixteen through 21 And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll t I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to myself, You have plenty good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. So if your riches are here on this earth and you have built yourself a faithless life, then your life will be taken from you and your riches will be left to someone else and it won't be for you at all. Um, Francis Chan, in speaking about um, this very thing, he, he gave a, a balance beam example. And uh, when he was on it, he was actually on a balance beam, so it was more visual. Um, but he said that most Christians walk through their lives on this balance beam, and so they're, they're walking along, and then life hits them, and, you know, someone close to you dies, and they oh, that's kind of scary, so they kind of, you know, take it easy, and they, they, don't, they don't try anything anymore. They kind of just stay still, and, you know, more stuff happens to them, and so they're, they're like, okay, so they're kind of lower down, and then more more things happen to them, and so they finally end up gripping the the balance beam and just holding on for dear life until the end. And uh, when they die, they they go, okay, okay, there you go, God, that was my performance. And all they did was hold on to the beam and hope hope the Lord that they'd make it into heaven, and that's all they did. And it's kind of an eerie thing to think about. What have we done? And are we going to stand before the Lord after a performance of just holding on to the balance beam, holding on for dear life? So what would it be like to stand before God in that? Do you think he'd be, well done, good and faithful servant, you held on? Uh, I don't think so. You didn't live for his kingdom, you didn't serve him so now that was your 12 signs of what a lukewarm Christian means but now we're going to be taking a look at verse 19 and on to 22 and looking what it means to be zealous and, and true repentance so I called this point the change of a lukewarm Christian be zealous and repent to start I'd like to say the foundation of a zealous relationship with God starts in your prayers and devotion Without that, uh, you have nothing. Without your communication with God, you won't have a connection with God. So, uh, without, without that prayer and reading your Bible, 
you'll have no connection. Reading your Bible is how God speaks to you. That's His holy word. And praying to Him is how you speak to Him. And so you have this connection back and forth. God speaks to us in His holy word, and we speak to Him in our prayers. Now let's take a look at the scripture uh, around verse 19 and see what we can learn about being passionate and zealous. Uh, I do believe that God wouldn't just tell us we're lukewarm and then leave it there. He would tell us how to be zealous. And so as we take a look at verse 18, I want to to point out one thing. Um, Let's go ahead and read it. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. The first three words is what stuck out to me. I counsel you. And so when we're in prayer and we're in our devotion, he's counseling us. We read his word, he's counseling us. And right here, Jesus is speaking. He's counseling to us. And so that's just what stuck out to me from verse 18. We need to be there and willing to be counseled um, if we want to be zealous for God. And even more so in the verse talking about how you will store up treasures in heaven with the work and faith you have on earth. Look at how the white garments, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be white wearing white every day down here. Um, it just doesn't suit me. I'm already too pale. Um, the shame of your nakedness may be may not be revealed. We'll be clothed and anointed in white clothes. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Um, That was kind of like a medicine kind of practice way back when, but um, eye salve that we may see. We need to be willing to see what God has in store for us. Verse 19, um, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. In verse 19, Just like an earthly father... Our Heavenly Father will rebuke and discipline His people. And so, our Heavenly Father, uh, or His, just as an uh, earthly father, our Heavenly Father will rebuke and discipline us. So will our Heavenly Father, through these, we grow in maturity and strengthen our faith. So, God will... Uh, check us if we do something wrong. We're still we have that heart that we're following God, and if we do something wrong, He will He will check us, and it won't be, um, I don't think a sin if we just mess up, but um, He will put us back on that path, and we will be we will be disciplined, uh, just like a punishment for you know a child who is misbehaving or something. He will discipline us. And so there will be times where we will go through those disciplines. In verse 20, uh, to be zealous for the Lord. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So he stands at the door and knocks. That means that Jesus is actively pursuing us. He's actively pursuing us to be a part of his service. The next part of this verse is we need to be actively in pursuit of His will. We have to answer the door. So we need to be actively pursuing His will for our lives. And we have to be listening to hear the knock. 
the last part of this verse is we see that he wants to, uh, communion with us on a personal level. And I just think that's wonderful. He wants to commune with us. He wants to eat with us. He wants to dine with us. And uh, that gets me on fire personally um, to be zealous for him. The God of the universe wants to dine with you and me. Verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. To him who overcomes. This can only be directed to a believer who is on fire for the Lord. A lukewarm Christian cannot overcome the world because they are overtaken by the world and its pleasures. If you are zealous for the Lord, you will be seated with God at the right hand on his throne. You have that inheritance as a Christian. And finally, verse 22. The final verse of this chapter tells us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He wants us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit that God the Father has so graciously given to us. He wants us to have that connection to Him. And when we don't know the way, the Holy Spirit will guide us through it. If you take all of these verses and root them into your prayer and devotional time, you will be fired up for the Lord. You will have that connection. You will be connected with God. If you want to be zealous for the Lord, this is the way. You pray that that God will forgive you, first of all, for being lukewarm, for not being active, not serving the Lord like you should be. Um, when, when I get to pray, and I'm praying, and we've had... Um, the fasting prayer um, one Sunday night and when I came and I was praying I felt the Holy Spirit come over me and I could feel His presence and it's real and it's a real experience so I don't want you to to miss out on something like that uh, I see it kind of like this um, if you're a lukewarm Christian uh, you're like fool's gold you have the makeup the outside looks like gold but the inside is completely different. Uh, if you know anything about geology, it's pyrite. It's, it's not gold. <laughs> um, but if you're a lukewarm Christian, you're like that fool's gold. On the outside, you may look like gold, but on the inside, you're completely fake and valueless. But you are destined for more than just that. You are destined for more of in, king, in God's kingdom work. You have more to you, and you have the ability to reach out to God and to, to have that kind of lifestyle. God loves you and wants you to step up your game. So it's time to put the childish and earthly things away and truly surrender to God. Um, there's been a lot of talk about sanctification around here. And uh, if you really want to truly grow closer to God, you need to kind of check yourself on this, on these 12 signs. If you're practicing one of these signs, then it might be time to, to put it away and repent and follow Him closely. He's standing at the door and knocking. Will you answer Him? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for this day and for Your, um, for your presence here today, Lord. I want to thank You for the anointing over me, Lord, and 
Uh, thank you for this message, God. If anyone be is here, Lord, and they need you, and they need um, your presence to fill them, and they need to, to overcome being a lukewarm Christian, Lord, I pray that you will convict in their hearts, Lord, have that conviction run through the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin, and that they would come and pray and kneel uh, to you, God, and cry out for forgiveness. God, I know I had to when I wrote this sermon. Lord, please forgive us uh, for the tendency, to, and it's easy to fall into, God, into, into this lukewarm lifestyle, God. I pray that you will work in our lives, God, and in the 